All right, man. Well, we'll get we'll just jump right into it, man. Uh, so I know Royce Gracie played a huge part in why you got into MMA. Um, what was it about Royce uh, that really inspired you to join MMA? Well, I was small, and he was small. So I remember watching UFC two when he fought. You know, he he just ran through all those different guys, and you know, MMA was a lot different than it is today. So it was no weight classes, and you know, when you see a hundred and seventy. It's a five-pound guy beat up all these big guys. You're like, damn, I weigh 120 pounds. I got to learn how to do that. So it was, it just like resonated me right then and there that I wanted to, that, that I needed to learn how to do this. So the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm same thing. I'm smaller. Uh, definitely never competed in the UFC. Never got there. Just do a bit of jiu-jitsu. But, but I feel that that was one of the biggest things that got me onto it. Uh, that and Rampage Jackson was another factor that got me into the sport a guy like that is just next level in terms of personality uh when you look back on your career is there one fight that stands out to you among the rest is like that one there's something special about that fight you know not really i mean i wish i could say that it did but because like all of them have like some significance to them that made me who i am today and it just so no fight really stood out because they all had like something special about them that I could look back on and go, yeah, that's what I got from that fighter. Yeah, that was cool. Or that was cool. Or that was cool. But I can't think of any one fight that just did it though. I wish I, I wish I had one, but there was no one fight. There is one fight to me that stands out, and not for any reason other than it's a win over a good friend in Matt Sarah. How does it feel to to you know all these years later be able to be like, look, I got this win on you, man. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm extremely proud of that win. Uh, not because, <laughs> well, because me and Matt Sarah are like best of friends, but I'm extremely proud of that. And I, I got the tattoo to prove it. It says, hey, Matt, I won. I, I can't see it here, but I got that. We got that. I got that on Dana White looking for a fight. But um, no, that, that fight was weird because a lot of things happened. Like first they raised his hand in the middle of the fight. The lights went out. I mean, it was just a wild event, but um, it was a good night. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, not that I ever want to do it again. Matt would kick my butt now, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good fight. Speaking of Dana White looking for a fight, what what's it like traveling all over the United States with those guys? I mean, Dana White obviously very very big personality, and even bigger is Matt Sarah. What's it like traveling with those guys? It's crazy, man. Like I, I you got to know your role. You got to be able to keep up, and that's the thing. Is it? They it moves so fast. Like we'll be in the hotel and they'll be like, "Yo, be downstairs at 11. And if you're not up down at eleven, you know they're gone. They're 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 we're gonna leave you. You know. So it's 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 a very tough schedule, film schedule. But they're a lot of fun. I mean, Matt's a lot of fun. If you never, I mean, if he's a friend of yours, you know what he's like. He's a lot of fun. He's always on. He's the only guy I know that's always on. I'm like, dude, don't you ever turn it off? He never turns it off. He he'll call me up. He'll start off serious. Then here come the jokes. I'm like, you not, you're always on. I don't know how he's always on, but he's he's so funny. He's funniest guy I know by far. He you've seen a lot of places. You've seen a lot of fights. Is there one place that you've been uh, for Dana White looking for a fight that stands out among the rest? Um, obviously, I think Abu Dhabi. When we when we filmed over there, that was a place that um, I mean, it was just. The only thing I can compare it to is like any image of heaven that you have in your head of what heaven might look like or feel like or be like. That's it. Because and and part of it was because we got treated so good. Like the 
the people of Abu Dhabi treated us like royalty and, you know, we had a lot of leeway to do different things. And, but besides the heat, (laughs) it was just like the most remarkable place. Like it seemed like everybody was rich and there was, it seemed like everybody had gold, like the coffee, like had gold in it, like gold chips. Like it was just like, they were eating gold. Like what did that say about your economy when you eat gold? Yeah, it was crazy. On to your uh, on to your coaching career, which I think is kind of where you're at now. Um, I mean, obviously, you had so much success in fighting, but you're even having a lot of success now as a coach. Your style is very different because unlike a guy like Royce Gracie or a guy like Brock Lesnar or Daniel Cormier, you didn't have a set background. Like you weren't you didn't come from a wrestling background or a Muay Thai background. You kind of have it all. What does that mean for you as a coach and how is it easier or I guess even more difficult sometimes to, to teach guys or, or to show them techniques without that specialty. No, I think it, I think it helped me. Yeah. Um, when I look at a lot of coaches in the game, a lot of them come from backgrounds, like especially at this generation of coaches, because most of this generation of coaches come from a specific discipline. The next generation will be a little bit more well-rounded, but this generation of coaches come from a specific discipline for the most part. And what that did for me was didn't allow me to have a filter in which to process information through in terms of playing the game. For instance, in terms of like wrestling, let's say I had a wrestling background. I would always look at the game of MMA from a wrestling standpoint and go, all right, this is like when they shoot in on you, defend the rest the shot like this. I never did that. I always looked at it like, well, if he's a wrestler, he's trying to shoot in on me. What can I use that he's not used to? I'm going to choke him. He's not used to that. He won't know how to defend that. I'm going to elbow him in the head. He's not going to know how to defend that. So by not having a background, it didn't, I didn't process the information through that filter. So it was always open-minded in this box of, of everything all in one, as opposed to, okay, I'm doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, doing that. So I think it helped me. As for, for the fighters you coach, do you find it easier to, to coach a fighter who doesn't have a, a, like a wrestling background, for example? Or do you find it easier to just kind of pick apart someone who's so focused on wrestling and being like, look, you're doing this right, but it doesn't really apply to MMA? Um, what's easier for you, just picking someone up from the start without any experience or someone who's a specialist? Uh, it, I mean, that's such a difficult question because there's a, so many different factors involved yeah. um, because – Certain people like to do certain things. I mean, if at the end of the day, I would prefer to get somebody who's a decent enough athlete. They don't have to have a combat sport background, but just a good enough athlete that understands body positioning and the way the body moves, you know, having decent balance. Because like, you can have a background in wrestling, but if your balance is a little off, then like, or you can't stand in a position to throw punches, then I don't want you. So, um, th- so it just, it just, you know what I would probably prefer to have more than anything else? Someone who can dance. Like a Lomachenko type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because fighting is so much, is so specific to body movement and being able to create angles with your body. That And that goes for punching, kicking, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. It's all about body positioning and body movement. And dancers can really contort themselves and put themselves in positions that like most people can't. And we get it, we get it confused because we think that like big muscles is the thing that does it. That's not what does it. Big muscles is, that's the look, but really it's about positioning. And I think I would prefer to have someone who can dance. 
Yeah, you see that a lot. Even I know Dominic Cruz doesn't have a, a, a dancing background, or at least I don't think he does. But his footwork is so so unique, and I, I think that's a, that's a great example of what you were talking about. Well, look at Israel Adesanya. I mean, he's yeah. a he's a dancer, and when he's in there playing, you can't catch his rhythm, and he's like he's in these different spots, and you can't find him. So I would much prefer to have someone who who's got rhythm and can dance than someone who's wrestled. Speaking of your fighters, you have two. Well, you have one fighter fighting this weekend, I think, right? Jillian Robertson. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what's your thoughts on, on her uh, as a coach, and what have you seen uh, developments in her game from her last performance where she lost to Macy Barber? Well, first off, she can't dance, so that's <laughs> that hurts. No, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But she can't dance. But um, but she's she's the hardest worker I've ever worked with. She's the most yeah. diligent worker that I've ever coached, which is why. You know, when I left American Top Team, I was like, you're, you got to come with me because, like, I need you because, like, you work so hard. Like, you're the reason why I want somebody to work with, somebody who works this hard. And she's just the hardest worker I've ever, you know, coached. And um, and since I lost to Macy, well, the first thing is, like, I don't want to take anything away from Macy, but, you know, there were times in that camp where I was like, Jenna, you sure you want to take this fight because she had hurt herself? And, and she was and not that the fight may have been could have been different, but she just we had to we had to sacrifice some training for that fight. So like you know there was some some mishaps in, in training. We had to sacrifice a bit, but so we worked a lot in this camp, and, and she hasn't fought since then. That was a long time ago. So since then, you know we've did a lot. We've done a lot of stand up. We did a lot of work transitionally. We've just really sharpened her up in all these different areas, and just gave her just this amazing confidence to fight to fight anywhere and do everything and she's just she's as, as good as she's ever been right now and she's in better shape than i've ever seen her in so she's stronger she's got better balance she's even runs after practice something she's never done before so yeah i'm really excited to see her do her thing tomorrow yeah i think this is going to be a, a great fight for her it's a, it's a tough test but i think yeah. uh i think she's she's shown a lot uh, obviously the macy Barber fight, and I think anybody on that night, uh, Macy looked incredible. Uh, so I mean, I think I think Julian Robertson is very, very talented, and she's Canadian. So you know, I've got a yeah. spot in my heart for. Uh, I always root for Canadians. Another one of the, your fighters, Tyron Woodley. Um, I love Tyron. I was really hoping he'd get back to uh, to his ways against Gilbert Burns, and taking nothing away from Gilbert, Gilbert looked really, really good. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on Tyron? I know he's got a lot of criticism, people saying, you know, what, like he's got one foot out the door, he's rapping, he's doing all this other stuff. Some people say, you know what, it probably makes his game better. As a coach and as a friend and as a mentor, what, I mean, what do you have to say, I guess, like, to the critics of, of Tyron Woodley? Well, Tyron's a hustler. You can say what you want about him, but he's the, he's the most hustling guy I've ever met. Like, he, he's a hustler, man. Like, he, he's never going to be broke. He's always going to find a way to to find the money and that's just what he does um in terms of his fighting career it's just it's tough you know when i was 36 years old i had my last fight against georgie Karakanyan, and i remember that fight i remember being in somewhere in that fight in the third round just thinking uh, i don't really want to hurt this guy you know like what am i doing here i just i'm just cruising and I, and after the fight i'm like man what? i can't believe i just let that guy beat me and it just there, there comes a point in your life when you get to a certain age you're just like eh it's whatever and i think tyron might be battling that a little bit you know he might be he might be fighting that a little bit where he's just kind of like man i'm he's 38 years old he's like 38 years old and he's just like man is this you know is this what i really want i mean you see you see the difference like in his eyes from now 
to from before. Like it's just it, it's a different it's a different eye. You know, I don't don't have an eye to tiger as much, but that doesn't take away from his skill set. The thing is, that we just have to get that back. You know, we just have to get that eye of the tiger back. And can it happen at this age? That's the question. I don't know. What do you think the would motivate him? Is it a guy who who he hates, like a Colby Covington, or is it just something that's internal and he's going to have to figure that out? I think he's got to figure that out because if he uh, if he allows Colby to motivate him but couldn't get motivated for Gilbert Burns or Usman, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem in itself. You know, that's you, you got bigger issues than 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 that. So but I, I think it's got to be it's got to be in, within himself to find it. You have a, a former opponent of yours fighting this weekend as well, who's kind of arguably over the hump, just similar situation in Clay Guida. What, what sort of advice would you give to a guy like that who's nearing the end, who's you know almost at 40 or, or whatever? Uh, as someone who left the game relatively early, what, what advice would you give? Just be safe. You know, the problem with Clay is that he's never fought safe and he doesn't have a safe style and he can end up getting hurt. The good news is that he's fighting somewhat of an older type guy, too. Like Bobby Green's no spring chicken. Bobby Green has been around the block a bit. But Bobby Green can still do damage. Bobby Green is still dangerous. So for Clay, I would just say, you know, just fight as safe as, safe as possible. And I, But that's not really his style. Like Clay's always looking to entertain first, win second. So he's going to go, you know, guns blazing. But if, you know, if I was coaching him, I would just want him to be as safe as possible. You know, just don't get hurt. One of uh, one of the people you've worked with uh, throughout your career had an incredible performance a couple weeks ago in Amanda Nunes. As someone who's seen her inside the gym and as someone who's almost like a friend almost, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on her performance and, w- and what do you think is next for her? Like, she, it seems like she's done it all. Like, she beat Ronda, she beat Holly, she beat every name that's ever won a belt you know, as a friend and as a, as a mentor, former coach, what sorts of advice would you give to someone like that? Well, she's, she's great. You know, I think, um, I love Amanda to death. Uh, She, you know, I still work with her a little bit, you know, like I did her, I do her scouting reports. And ever since I left the team, I still did it for her, for Felicia. Um, she asked me and, and man, like you said, Amanda's a friend of mine. She's great. I mean, I'm just I'm blessed to be a part of her success at some level. And to, and I can say that I was a part of the success of the greatest ever, you know, and she's she's just done amazing things. Now, um, her fight against Felicia, I think that if if she wanted to, she probably could have put Felicia away. You know, if she really was like, yo, I'm going to hurt this girl, I'm going to put her away. But Amanda has so much respect for her opponents that she's like, she's a nice girl and I'm not going to hurt her. I'm just going to I just want to win. You know, that's that's how she went into that fight. And it kind of showed like there were times where like Amanda just like backed off a little bit and just I don't want to I don't want to kill the girl. So I'm just going to. But when she fought Cyborg, she was like, come on, I'm going to kill you. And she did. So almost. But um, the only fight I, I was kind of critical of her was against the Jermaine fight. I didn't think she looked that great in that fight. Jermaine posed some problems physically for her that um, I don't think she was 100% prepared for. But um, she still dominated the fight. But I thought that she could have she could have did a little bit better in that fight. That's the only fight I'll ever be critical of her with. But um, moving forward, I don't know. I mean, it, she might even just retire, you know. But I mean, so because there's, but you don't know what what a person fights for. If she's fighting for money, just keep doing it. But if she's fighting for legacy, 
It's done. It's, it's, it's just done. There's nothing else to do. There's no there's no one even close. Like Jermaine was her last challenge. And like when you look at the next ten girls in either division, there's nothing that's gonna like motivate her to they can seal the deal. Like it's already the deal has been sealed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um yeah, she's definitely in the Mount Rushmore for me of, of greatest fighters. I have her, I have George, I have Anderson, I have Jones. Who are you, your Mount Rushmore for? I mean, you've you fought through an era uh, with guys like Forrest Griffin and all these great guys. You you grew up watching Royce Gracie, and now you're coaching guys in the Tyron Woodley era. So you've kind of seen all the fighters. Who who for you would make the Mount Rushmore? I would have to go Amanda, George. Jones and DJ. Yeah, I, I go DJ. Yeah, it's it's hard because D- Demetrius is relatively irrelevant right now, yeah. so it's it's hard to remember him at times. And from the outside perspective, you would look at his division and say, "Oh, that's the weak. That's a weak division." But I would, I would say that his division, one twenty five in terms of like skill for skill is as strong as almost any other division. It's just not popular. And it just, so when Anderson was beating guys, they were popular, but I I think the DJ's opponents were just as good, if not better than Anderson's opponents. Yeah, I agree. I mean, DJ was, in my opinion, the best martial artist uh, of his era, Uh, the way he dominated fighters. It's just guys like Ray Borg, aren't Forrest Griffin, you know? And I think that's the one knock on Demetrius. Right, yeah, exactly. So yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Forrest Griffin isn't a better fighter than Ray Borg, like, in terms of skill for skill. He's just he just name-wise. So, like, so, you know, obviously Anderson gets credit for beating guys that have that were just more popular. And, yeah. and I don't want to take anything away from Anderson. It's just, you know, when he started fighting better guys and he got a little bit older, he's been doing it too long. So, like, to, to me, that just kind of takes a little bit away from him. Yeah, I'll have a. I'll ask a couple more non MMA questions here just to end it. I don't want to take up too too much more of your time. Um, so obviously you're probably one of the busiest men in MMA. What sorts of things did you do uh, in quarantine to kind of keep your mind occupied? Oh man, we trained a lot. We trained. That's what. Um, so you know, I, I quit my job like in the middle of quarantine, and um, so I was just kind of bouncing around, going from like gym to gym in in South Florida with my little crew of guys that I had with me and we would go to a gym and we would train and we'd go to another gym and train. And then about the same time, Tyron Woodley was in camp for Leon Edwards. So I drove up to St. Louis with Jillian Robertson. We drove up to St. Louis and then we trained at his place for two weeks and came back. So, I mean, it's just, we just, I trained a lot during quarantine. I it's really, I really did. It was, it was great actually. Yeah, it's, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I hear that a lot of uh, a lot of fighters are like, "Yeah, we're staying busy as busy as we can." I think a lot of them actually spent more time training, especially guys who have a job on the side. Yeah, yeah, well, that's well, that's you know, and that's why I think uh, before I was talking about Jillian, like she's so prepared right now because that's all we did during quarantine was train. You know, we tr- we would, you know, it was you know a lot of t- fighters that were at top team they couldn't, but we did because we were just like, yo set up we're going to train now we're training here we're training here we're training so she trained a lot one of the uh one of the things i find is especially like a team like elevation there's such a small group of guys do you think that's the future having a small group do you think that's key to the the fighter success it it will always be that way um the big teams help for resources and and bodies and 
you know, it just, you know, embodies and there's just a lot of resources. But in terms of developing really good fighters, you're going to need individualized attention. And I think eventually it's going to turn into the boxing model where, you know, if the thing is, like, if you're making $10 million a fight, you're not showing up to Monday's wrestling practice with, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, a guy who works at Texaco. You know what I'm saying? You're not doing that. Like, if you make $10 million a fight, you're going, hey, I'm training at this time and I'm hiring these guys to work with me and that's it. And that's really where this game is is going into. Is It's going to be camps are going to be built around the athletes. That's just the way it's going to be. Camps built around the athletes. But prior to now, it had to be the other way because nobody could afford that. So it's going to end up being like this. You know, camps are going to be built around the athletes as opposed to athletes jumping into big rooms of people. All right. Thank you for uh, for taking the time, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, so I appreciate you jumping on here. I'm actually still a little bit shaky from uh, from interviewing you, man. But get uh, out of here. It. <laughs> Listen, you you make sure you call me later, and we and we do this again sometime. Yeah, we will for sure, man. I, I really appreciate it. All the best, and uh, good luck with uh, Jillian tomorrow night. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks.